Doing your duty. If there's a theme for this chapter, it's doing your duty. Romans chapter 13, and we're talking about having a faith that's full. Doing your duty. First of all, grandpa, grandson came to his rich grandpa and said, will you tell me how you made $10 million? And the grandpa said, sure, son, sit down. Said, you know how I made $10 million? It was 50 years of investing, 50 years of counting my pennies, 50 years of devotion, doing my duty. And a rich uncle died and left me $9,999,990. Someone said marriage is when a man and a woman become as one. The the trouble really starts when they try to figure out which one. So, but there's three great lessons in this chapter. Doing your duty. So if, if you come to Bible study, it's a blessing to hear things and hear jokes. But really, you want, if you've ever gone to a, a, a restaurant, you can't eat everything. And they say, would you like a to-go box? And really, as in a Bible study, you want to take stuff with you when you go. And it's my desire that we could share something, that you can have something and you can take it out there and it'll help you solve problems. It'll be a blessing when challenges come your way. So we're going to look at three lessons, great lessons in this chapter. And let me just give you an outline. So the first is doing our duty to the state, to the government. That's action or subjection. That's our action. And then the second part is doing our duty to others, to people. That is really an attitude, and it's an attitude of love. And then the third part of the chapter deals with doing our duty to the Lord. And that deals with being an example and having an example in Jesus Christ. So really what this this deals with is attitude, action, and then an example to follow. And really, if we want to change society, that's what we're going to need to have. The right attitudes, the right action... And we need to have somebody to follow. We need to have an example to follow. So it's interesting. It all goes back to God. So in chapter 12, if, just a quick recap, it started out with how to change your mind. So it starts out like a, like a V, though. It's very pointed. First, you change your mind towards God in the first part of chapter 12. And then it, it branches out. You change your mind towards yourself. Then you change your mind towards others in the church. And then you change your mind to everybody else. So it kind of broadens at the end of 13 or uh, chapter 12. You're reaching out to the whole world. Well, it's interesting because 13 goes, starts kind of broad and it goes in like the opposite of chapter 12. So you start broad, your duty to the state, which is kind of, you know, a big thing. And then it goes in a little bit, your duty to the people in that state. And then it goes into your duty to God. So it all goes back to God. It all goes back to to God. It says that uh, of him and through him and to him. Isn't that song, The Circle of Life? It really starts with God and it goes through Jesus Christ. And ultimately one day someone will stand around and hopefully say good things. It's called a eulogy that hopefully you've gone to be with God. It all goes back to God. So... Let's look at verses. The first part is verse 1 to 7, and that's our duty to the state. And he said, Preacher, I can't believe you're saying this. I, I, I'm just reading the Bible. So let's read what the Word of God by the Holy Ghost says, not anyone's opinion, 
but the word of God. So our duty to the state or to the law, and, and, and it's kind of a general, right? It's not to America or to Russia, but whatever government that you're a citizen of. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be, have you ever heard that? The powers that be, that's where this comes from, are ordained of God. And the Bible says that really there's no power in government that's not there unless God says it's okay. He called Nebuchadnezzar his servant, Cyrus his servant, Pharaoh his servant. God was in control. In the beginning of the book of Daniel, when God gave Israel uh, into a foreign government's hand, it was God that was in control. Now, I'm not saying that all rulers are good, but rulers are in power because God says it's okay. And the reason that Christians are supposed to be subject to the higher powers, and I'm not saying you have to agree with the higher powers, because you see, at the time Paul wrote this, now think about this, the Christian religion was viewed as an enemy of public peace. When Paul was uh, having his ministry, there were people that they came and said, they that have turned the world upside down have come hither also. These Christians are, are, are disrupting society. They're not a friend of Caesar, who is the head of the Roman government. So they're enemies of public peace. They're enemies of order. And it was a lie, wasn't it? Paul wasn't there turning the world upside down. It was the rioters that were trying to pull him apart, literally. But since that attitude is against people of faith in the early part of Christianity, and even now, there are people that like to blame extreme acts of one or two kind of fringe weirdos and blame and paint the brush to all Christianity. So it behooves us to be subject to laws. Because the Bible said, for whosoever resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. Ultimately, God is the one that creates a cosmos out of a chaos. So in Genesis, God created the heavens and the earth and he did everything well. But something happened between Genesis 1 and 1 and Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. It said the earth was what? Void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. What happened? A chaos. There was a judgment that happened there. We won't go into that now. But then God happened on the scene. He said, let there be light. And he began to put order into things. Have you heard of law and order? Yeah, right. That's exactly what these, the, the justice and the, the law and the government protects order. And we'll get into that. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Now, it's not going to be that God will damn you, but if you resist the laws, guess what? You will go to jail. I told my daughter that. You know, when you listen, you don't listen when you're a kid, you go to your room. You don't listen when you're an adult, you go to jail. And you know what? Some kids didn't listen. <laughs> so they grew up and they went to jail. But the Bible says, here's the, here's the reason. For rulers are not a terror to good works. If you do right, the rulers are not there to oppress you but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. Now, I know people aren't perfect. My wife was pulled over by the cops. Uh, I don't know. Not for driving crazy, okay? Not for stealing sheep. 
the cop had misread the license plate and typed it in and the registration for that car hadn't been paid in what, five years or something. So my wife got pulled over and the cop was so ashamed. He's like, I'm so sorry. I read your plate wrong, you know? And then what had happened? She went. But you know what that man was doing? Someone hadn't paid their registration in five years. He was out to get them, okay? So the Bible said, do that which is good and thou shalt have praise of the same. The law and order is to pre present a society where we can live in peace. For verse 4, he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God. The minister here means servant. A revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Now that talks about capital Punishment. So the, they don't have swords now, but they have guns. And if someone, uh, to prevent murder or to prevent serious crime, the government can actually come in and prevent that with the sword. Now, even if the... It's interesting because I was thinking about Portland, Oregon, and there's riots, a lot of riots in Portland, Oregon. And I saw a picture. Now, I like Starbucks. And there was a picture of a smashed Starbucks window. And I was thinking... Really? Because who works at Starbucks? Not a bunch of conservative Christians. The people, there's, there's rings all over people's faces in Starbucks. I mean, these are people with a wide view of ideology. But smashing that window prevented these young men and women from going to work and paying their rent and paying for their cars and going to college. But you see, these rioters are preventing not... Christianity, but the rioters in Portland are preventing people an opportunity to have order, a, a time to go to work, peace to go home. So he was, Paul was saying that the law is not evil, even though rulers and politicians might not be right. So Paul, do you know who the emperor was when Paul was in his ministry? He was the most infamous, wicked emperor that Rome had ever known. His name was Nero. He was so wicked that the own Senate condemned him to death, to be crucified. You know what he did? He went and committed suicide. He was 30. I mean, the guy was completely evil, off the rails. There's not a lot known about him, but in uh, 64 AD, a fire broke out in Rome. And they don't know who caused it, and there's some speculation that Nero might have started it, but nobody knows, okay? So it burned for nine days, and it just destroyed Rome. You know who Nero blamed? Christians. It was the Christians. It wasn't the Christians. You know what he started to do? Persecute the Christians. He just used that as an opportunity. Now, they, they didn't do it, but the authorities said, oh, these are the ones. And you know, he began to put them in animal skins, and then he'd throw them to these wild dogs. They would tear the people up. And another thing he would do, he'd have these parties. And since they didn't have electricity, you know what they would use for illumination? Christians. They would burn Christians on these funeral pyres so he could have light for his party. He said, preacher, who would follow the law under such a wicked man? Paul would. Because if you read the book of Acts, how many times was Paul saved by the law? The centurion stopped the Jews from just tearing them apart. Paul appealed to and was saved by the Roman law. The order of the law even though the emperor was a wicked man. So the appeal here to Paul is public officials have a purpose. 
Have you ever been to uh, a court, you know, like jury duty, or you've seen a witness? Courts determine quarrels. They solve problems. All these public officials, the civil servants, uh, public officials protect the innocent. They punish offenders so that every man may not do what is right in their own eyes. So in that way, that's what Paul said, the government is a servant of God. It protects order. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful. I, you know, when things get out of order, it can get pretty crazy. So I'm thankful I've mostly... I've lived overseas. My parents have taken me all over the place. But generally, I haven't been in, ever been in a place that has order. There's order that exists in different ways in different governments. Thank God for order so you can walk down the street and go to Starbucks if you like Starbucks. And you don't have to step in through the window, right? Wherefore, you must needs be subject not only for wrath. Now, it's not just because of the, the government, but you see, God is talking about our actions. But he said, wait, our motivation should be our conscience because it's the right thing to do, not because it's a law. You know, that there, I didn't uh, um, not hit someone because it was the law. I have a conscience. And Christians... The fruit of the Spirit, the Bible said the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. But then it says something else in Galatians. Against such, there is no law. You know, the, the laws don't need to be passed against gentleness, right? You're fined $50 for being too gentle. We don't need people like you around here, Floyd. Get out. Right? You know, so sorry, sir, please. No, no, that's not the way that it is. Unless you're maybe a UFC fighter and need a little more hard. But there's no law against the things of God. The things of God are wonderful to have in your life, but also for a society. You know, it's interesting. A lot of people, they don't want anything to do with God. Anything to do with Christianity. But they wanted to live in a neighborhood that has Christian values where you, people respect your property, where they love you, where they don't break into your house. What are those Christian values? Thou shalt not steal. But the Bible says, for this cause, now some of you might not like this, pay ye tribute also. For they are God's ministers attending a continually upon this very thing. What is that? Taxes. <laughs> Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom Fear to whom fear and honor to whom honor. So I don't like paying taxes either. Look, there's legal ways to pay less taxes. Go to a CPA. Go on the internet. Say, well, what? billionaires must pay a lot of taxes. No, they don't. Find out they are in a low tax bracket. And you know what? It's legal. But none of us like taxes. But the Bible says we ought to pay them. We support this government that takes care of us. And then it says... Fear to whom fear and honor to whom honor. Have you ever been in a courtroom and the judge comes in? You know what they say? The guy or the lady in the black robes all rise and everyone rises. Why? To honor that judge and the position that they have to find out the truth of a case to put justice. And, and I believe there are some cultures where when an elderly uh, member of the family comes in, the people rise up or they stand up. I know in the military... Some of you have been in the military. When a senior official comes, and I was in the Marines, so it was on deck. You know what they would say? Attention on deck! Everyone would jump up. Why? And they would salute if they were outside or inside. You'd stand at attention. Why? 
someone with something on their collar who's a senior to honor that rank. So we go to action, and action's important, but then the attitude behind that is the second thing. The attitude behind that. Verses 8 to 10, we have a duty to the state, but then we have a duty to others. We have a duty to others. You know, the Bible says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You know, a lot of people, they say, well, that's not very good. There's one better than that. Do unto others as they would have you do unto them. Yeah, that is better. But how many of us know a stranger and what they want? (laughs) We don't, but we can evaluate what we want and do that unto them. Because honestly, most of us, sometimes we don't know what we want. Honestly, I know because I've been to McDonald's. (laughs) There's like a traffic jam of people behind you. The menu hasn't changed in 20 years. And you're like, I don't know. I can't decide. And they're like... Just get the quarter pounder meal. I don't know, fries or apple wedges. You know, it's really, we get emotional sometimes. So you can't really treat others as they want to be treated. We would like to, that's honest. But if you, if you don't, at least you can have the attitude like, well, broadly, if I want to be treated right, I'm going to do right to someone else. It might not be perfect, but society would be a whole lot better because that attitude of love works to bless the people like you would want to be blessed. Now, if uh, you find out your wife doesn't like flowers, don't get her flowers. Get her chocolate. If she doesn't like chocolate, buy her diamond rings. Or buy her some chocolate. So, <laughs> Amen. If that diamond ring don't shine, what was the next thing? God's going to give you a... I know it's not a rocking horse, but... If that diamond ring don't shine, get another box of Cracker Jacks. I don't know. So, But the Bible says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. It's, it's interesting. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 14. And this is a challenge. Let all your things be done with charity. You know, in another way of saying that, everything that you do, Do it in love, with the attitude. So the first part's our actions. The second part is our attitude. Have you ever had an attitude problem? It comes out in your actions, doesn't it, right? But the Bible says in verse 9, notice, now this is a list of the last five commandments, okay? That's what this is. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, that means to lie, Thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Why is it the last five commandments? You know why? Because the first five commandments don't deal with how you treat your neighbor. The first four commandments deal with how you treat God. The fifth commandment deals how you're supposed to honor your father, and your mother. And the last five commandments, they're the list of things you don't do to other people to show that you love them. Amen? It's like this uh, little boy was in a candy store and he was kind of eyeing the candy and the proprietor said, Son, are you trying to steal some candy? He said, No, sir, I'm trying not to. (laughs) 
Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Mm. That's what love is. I was talking to a guy and he said, so all I have to do is love people. I said, right. That's exactly what it says. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. All the laws that Israel had, and there were almost, there were more than 10 commandments. There were almost 700 laws that the rabbis, you know, got from the uh, Deuteronomy and Leviticus and all these, all these uh, books of the Pentateuch, first five books of the Bible. And they couldn't stop Israel from living wicked lives. You can make more laws, but love will motivate us, give us the right attitude to do the right thing. My honey, my, honey, my wife, my honey. Hi, honey. Uh, for those of you listening on this podcast, I'm married, so that's what I'm talking about. I call her my girlfriend, uh, but she's like, honey, will you do the dishes? And I'm like, no, I'm tired. Now, that's what I think, because I, you know, when you get done eating, you would want to go sit down with all the other cool kids on the couch. But do you know what I do? <sighs> Take a deep breath and go do the dishes. Why? Love. Now, love's not a feeling. Love's an action. But it's driven by an attitude. It's driven by an attitude. So you love doing dishes. No, I don't. I remember someone asked a sister, um, well, you must love to cook. And she said something like, oh, no, <laughs> I don't. I do it as unto the Lord. I don't like to cook. And uh, if I cooked for my wife, I'd be cooking like she was a god. Really? Or a goddess serving her burnt offerings, right? So that's what I'd be doing. But we don't do that. So, But, <laughs> but God shows the attitude that we need to have. Verses 8 to 10. Now, it's interesting. We deal with attitudes and actions, right? So in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 28 and 29, we'll just read verse 29. It deals with how this plays out in a, in a marriage, okay? This is a way to make your marriage a blessing, okay? For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. In the preceding verse, it said you're supposed to love your wife like your own body. Now, nourishing something is what? Action. You clean your body. You feed your body. We're supposed to love our wives with action. But cherishing is not an, necessarily an action. It's an attitude. Now, if I go do the dishes and be like, that's not cherishing your wife. Preacher, you got me. Well, no, the word of God has gotten me many times. And that's what stops me. I'm realizing... That's not really love. <laughs> you know, love's not just the honeymoon. Love's not, uh, you know, when the heart goes down in the cartoon and it shrinks down and they kiss. That's not love. That might be the fruit of serving one another all day long. That's what love is. It's the attitude that backs up the action. How do you know? Because I've had the wrong action before. My wife doesn't even have to say amen. Don't say amen. It's like... Someone's like, amen, that was Sister Bigelow. No, because I put, she's got a mask on, I put duct tape under that, so she can't do that. <laughs> Silence is golden and duct tape is silver, so. So the last part, 
So we have our action, and it's backed up by the right attitude. And now we're ready to come down to kind of what it all means. And the Bible from a verse 11 to verse 14, I've got about five minutes left. It says, and that knowing the time, that it is now high time to awake out of sleep. Get out of autopilot. I've done that. Even with my parents here, my wife's in the car, I'm just driving. And you'll like go to a place that you think you, you usually go, like home or when I used to go to work, I just default and just start driving and take a turn. And my wife's like, honey, what are you doing? Stop. And I'm who? Oh, sorry. And I get on the free. She's like, honey, where are you going? I thank God for my wife. And she, she gets me off autopilot because I'm about to make the wrong turn, get on the freeway, unless she tells me to take the wrong turn and we get off the freeway. Yeah, that was a different, yeah. Anyway, take some sightseeing. But anyway, so she gets me off autopilot. Sometimes I'm on autopilot. And that's what the Bible says. It's time to get off autopilot. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. You know, as a Christian, this is as worse as it gets. This is as bad as it gets. And uh, it only gets better. You see, when you get to heaven, the last breath I take here, so preacher, what if someone shoots you? It'll be quick then. <laughs> but our salvation's nearer than when we first believed. And that's why Christians didn't recant. They weren't, they weren't stupid. They were smart saying, oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to recant all my glory in heaven. I'm not going to recant my mansion. You're unjust in killing me, but I'm not going to recant what Jesus has done for me. He's done too much good now, and the life... You know what? If I'm wrong, think about it. Now, I don't believe that the Bible's wrong. But if I am wrong, think about it. What have I lost? I have a life filled with laughter. My daughter is thriving in school. My wife and I love each other. We can... We, we throw compliments at one another. And I mean, we don't, we don't beat each other up. And there's no God. So we just go into the ether, right? But we lived a good life. I got no regrets. But what if God is wrong? And people don't serve him. And they're wrong. You see, I've got nothing to lose serving Jesus Christ. Even if there was no God, serving Jesus Christ is a good way to go. And they make good citizens too. But the Bible says... The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, the way that you used to live, the what you did at night. You know, people don't usually go to bars during the day. They go to bars at night when it's dark. It hides all the, 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 the vomit on the carpets and everything. How do you know? Uh, yeah, I, I know something about some... some uh, anyway, so my parents are here. So let us therefore cast off works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. What did it say in Ephesians? Put on the whole armor of God. And that's putting on Christ. And uh, the Bible, let's, let's continue because I don't want to get run out here. Let us walk honestly as in the day. So after we have our action right to the state and our attitude right, let us come back. It's not to the government and it's not to our wife or our husband. It's ultimately to the Lord that we act the way that we do. Not in rioting. What's that? These are the wrong attitudes and actions. Rioting means to let loose. The Bible says thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. If you're part of a riot, you better pray, okay? Getting caught up in people, breaking people's uh, uh, you know, livelihoods, setting their cars on fire. Brethren, Christians don't do that. You need to pray about that. And drunkenness, intoxication. Now that's not, that's what God said. Intoxication, do you know what happens? Physiologically, your brain is poisoned. 
That's why you can't drive because your equilibrium's off and, and your brain is struggling to rid yourself of this poison that's in there. Alcohol is poison, okay? So not in chambering. That means a couch. And it's what you do after you've let loose and you're drunk on a couch with someone that's not your husband or wife. So that's what chambering is to keep it rated G, right? Wantonness. Wantonness is basically uncontained, filthy behavior. The Bible says a lot of stuff, but it doesn't give you the gory details, okay? And then it deals with the wrong attitude. Strife is quarreling, always arguing. Now, my wife and I are very opinionated, okay? We have disagreements, and then we make up. And then we have another disagreement, but then we make up. And then I say something insensitive, and then we make up. Why? Because that the Spirit of God says you can't stay striving. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Don't stay mad at one another. That's what the Bible says. Why? Because if the family's messed up, the workplace is messed up, the neighborhood is messed up, the state is messed up, the nation is messed up. It needs to start in our homes. Not envying. That's, that's simply jealousy. Okay? Those are wrong attitudes. But the right attitudes and the right actions will get us to the right place. I want to leave with this joke. Okay? So this is working out, right? The company has discontinued all physical fitness programs. Since everyone gets enough exercise by jumping to conclusions, flying off the handle, beating around the bush, running down the boss, going around in circles, dragging their feet, dodging responsibility, passing the buck, climbing the ladder, wading through paperwork, pulling strings, shooting the breeze, throwing their weight around, stretching the truth, bending the rules, shuffling papers, and the last thing, pushing their luck. <laughs> but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. That's the key, putting the example of Jesus Christ on. And the Bible says that Paul said, be followers of, of me as I follow Christ. Mime, mimic me, do what I do. And uh, to, to leave you with this, to be clothed with a person. That's a Greek phrase. When they said, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It means to take upon one the interest of another. You're just like your father, but in a good way, right? <laughs> to enter into his or her views and to be holy on his or her side, imitating them in all things. So there you go. Do your duty. Have the right actions. To the, to the state or the government, have the right attitude to people, and then the right example of our actions and attitudes is Jesus Christ. And we can be that example. Someone needs to see a Christian who gives them forgiveness, who gives them love, who's doing the right thing. Well, let me just leave, let me leave you with this, okay? Last thing. I thought of my wife as an example. So we were at a Walmart some years ago. Believe it or not, right? So, and uh, we were leaving, and I think she had just bought a winter coat in the summertime. So we looked a little off, right? I don't know if that was, so she, it was a good deal though, right? And there was a lady, you know, she had, looked like she came from church. I think it was a Wednesday. We were out visiting. And she got her stuff put in her car and then was just too tired to put the car away. You ever see those people? Well, she was one of them. So she just kind of went, Wah! Now, I know she just came from church because she looked like she came from church. Right? She was all dressed up and pushed that car to the side, went to get in her car, saw my wife and I walking by. No words were spoken. She went back and got her cart, 
and she put it back in the cart corral. What caused that? The example of the believer and the speaking of the Holy Ghost to that woman's conscience. I believe she's probably a person of faith. But God speaks through examples, brethren. We can be an example of the believer. Amen. God bless you is our prayer. We're going to dismiss in prayer, Brother David, to dismiss us. See you Thursday.